You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins. I'm your host as always. This week, I thought it was really important to take a step back and start to look at the statistics that are driving this growth that a lot of people in Perth still don't actually believe is happening. You can hear it on the news, you see it on the streets, hundreds of people rocking up to home opens and a lot of frustrated buyers out there. But when I have a lot of conversations recently with clients, with uh, colleagues, just generally real estate agents, there's still a level of disbelief as to how and why this is happening and whether this is going to move forward into the future over the next few years. And by this, I mean, finally, the growth cycle we are a part of and have been a part of frankly, for the last couple of years, but really we haven't seen it hit mainstream media and and hit their mainstream purchasing psyche until probably October and certainly January uh, this year. So I wanted to take a step back again, make sure everyone recognizes that this isn't just some emotional swing that people don't understand or can't understand why it's happening and how long it's going to happen for. All changes in markets always come from data fundamentally and the reason most people don't pick that up is because they don't know which data to look at or how to compare that and most importantly, the context behind what the data is saying. So today's episode is one where I wanted to get just myself chatting to you on the podcast about exactly why we're seeing a growth cycle, where specifically we're seeing more pressure than not and why we're not going to see this swing around in the next couple of months or at the end of the year. There's some very fundamental reasons and and we'll start running through them today. The first thing I need to make clear, which is something I've made clear quite a few times over the last 120 episodes, is that there are five key stats here, five key data points that you can track yourselves. It's being, uh, it's actually provided free by a number of outlets around the country quite often and Re was one of them. Uh, and these five key stats demonstrate, they don't determine, but they demonstrate the pressures of demand versus supply in both the sales market and the rental market. And it's important to watch both because they're both interchangeable markets. If one market becomes too hot, people generally move to the other market. If both markets are hot, that's where you notice that prices go up because there is no other option for people who are demanding property. And people who are demanding property generally aren't demanding it out of choice. They're demanding it out of necessity a lot of the time, or at least that is about 80% of the market owner-occupiers other 20 being investors. Let's start from the top. Let's look at the first key statistic and that is available stock on market. Up until the end of February, that number has dipped down to 7,839 properties. Now, I want to give you a bit of context to that. Two years ago, nearly to the week, that number was not 7,839. It was 17,250 two years ago. And two years ago was when Bill Shorten was running for the election, most likely going to be prime minister, uh, and then shot himself in the foot by scaring us all about capital gains, tax discounts being taken away, negative gearing being taken away, and superannuation being raided. He lost himself that election. And ever since then, I guess a bit of confidence has stayed within the market on the East Coast uh, and also started to come through in the West Coast. But it's not just confidence. Again, it's not just an emotional number. It comes from the forces of demand and supply. And this number, available stock on market, is a great gauge for that relationship because 
every week there are a certain amount of properties demanded, let's say a thousand, and there are a certain amount of properties supplied, put onto the market, let's say that's 700 properties. So when that happens, demand is greater than supply, the amount of stock comes down. And that's what's happened over the last two years. It's gone from 17,000 down to 7,000. The natural balance, which is what we had one year ago this week, was 12,500. And that is a really interesting point because what we noticed a year ago was we started to see definitely in the market grassroots through the real estate agents a lot more demand for property. This was just before COVID. It was really starting to bubble along and everyone was quite happy with the market. However, prices weren't really moving and that's because it's the natural balance at 12,500 properties on the market. It's pretty much the point where uh, it's agreed amongst most pundits in Western Australia that you've got a balanced market. So we are right now sitting about 37% under a balanced market in terms of stock on market, which is a direct derivative of the amount of demand that has continued to come in over the last couple of years versus a lesser amount of supply, which is eroded on a weekly basis, the amount of properties available on the market. So keep that as a, an overarching stat in your head as we continue to work through the rest of the stats I want to talk to you about. So that was available stock on the market. The second statistic is the amount of properties sold on a weekly basis. I just referenced that before being something that feeds into the available stock on the market. You can't have a reducing stock on the market if on a weekly basis there are more properties coming on than there are being bought. However, that hasn't been the case. What has been happening consistently over the last couple of years and especially the last nine months has been that property sales have continued to increase. Now, that's fine in terms of if activity increases every week. Arbitrarily, it doesn't make much of a difference other than there are more transactions, settlement agents have more work, real estate agents have more work, Landgate gets more fees, right? But most importantly, if there are more properties being sold every week compared to the amount of properties being brought on every week, that's where you really start to see again the amount of stock on market dropping and the supply of property versus demand being less. So what's happened is two years ago, the average amount of properties really we saw was about 500 to 550 properties per week being sold and about the same amount of properties being put back onto the market. It was a pretty steady situation in fact. Up until two years ago, uh, there were more properties being put on the market than there were being sold. And again, that peak point, the worst time we've ever had in our property market was March 2019. And that's where we had the most amount of properties. Ever since then, we've had more generally more properties being sold than put on the market. And that has represented a sold number from the 500s, as I said, now into position where last week we had 1,058 properties sold in that week. And the week before was 966. In that same week, we're generally seeing about 700 properties put back on the market, 700 to 800. Now, that means that every week, the amount of stock on the market keeps dropping. And what what is that representing? Well, it's coming through in a lot more pressure from the demand side than the supply side and prices starting to rise. And this is why we're seeing people listing properties for from 520 and it being sold for 550 or from a million and it being sold for 1.1 million or open negotiations where the expected sale price is 900 grand coming in over a million dollars. Auctions actually starting to work. It's because the amount of properties available versus the amount of demand coming through from the amount of people looking to buy just 
isn't enough. And it's not to say that we have a really small amount of supply. It's that we have a sustained level of demand that the supply isn't used to needing to supply for quite some time now. And it's pretty easy to recognize that you don't have to be looking into the Australian Bureau of Statistics to understand how many people are coming back into Perth right now. That is the direct driver for demand. On a weekly basis, we've been capped at 520 people coming back into Perth per week, and it's just been lifted last week, as we know, to 1,000 people per week. So if we're seeing 50,000 people come into the country on a yearly basis, obviously with Western Australia being a safe haven with COVID, that number is far and above any cumulative number of people that have come into the state over the last five to six years. Let me put it this way. Last year, for the 2020 uh, period, we had 31,000 people come into Western Australia. For the five years before that, we had about 20,000 people total. Now, that is a perfect representation of where our demand is coming from because everyone that comes to Perth needs somewhere to live. They're either going to rent or they're going to buy. Generally, they'll rent first and that's where we saw the rental market be the canary in the coal mine, which is the next data point we're going to talk about. Three years ago, we saw the vacancy rate in Western Australia sitting up at about 7.5%. Now, that is a chronic problem of oversupply of properties being available for rent. And that came in because we built way too many investment properties in the boom up to 2015, 2016. Uh, and a lot of people at the same time started to leave because the work dried up. And that's a lot of tradies, uh, generally a lot of people who are quite transient. And those are people who rent. Now, the natural balance for a vacancy rate is about 3 to 4%. Now, when the amount of properties as a vacancy rate sits in that level, we don't really see prices go up. We don't really see prices go down. The relationship between landlord and tenant is quite balanced. People are really staying for longer terms. Uh, lease renewals are not a problem. They're not a negotiation. We just kick on. When the amount of properties available uh, when the vacancy rate is above 4%, we see a lot of people moving because they're upsizing into places that they can uh, get you know, cooler places to rent for cheaper. Uh, they're negotiating cheaper leases and just obviously making it hard on landlords. And a lot of landlords start selling because they realize, oh, it's just not worth the hassle. Uh, I've got poor tenants in there or I'm not getting the money I thought I would. So I'll sell. And therefore, that drops the amount of... And that actually starts to drop the amount of properties available for rent over time. It's a balancing act. When you see the vacancy rate hit below 3 percent, that's when you start to see a lot less pressure on the landlord and conversations start to come in around the ability to raise rents. Now, it's probably not until the two, one and a half percent situation where rents really start rising, uh, especially within existing tenants. The reality is now though, we've gone from seven and a half percent three years ago down to about three and a half percent two years ago. 2% a year ago, and now we're at 0.8%. And the milestone here is that we haven't been this tight as a vacancy rate for over 40 years. That's a business life that most of us haven't been a part of. It's a commercial capital situation most of us haven't seen. And therefore, it starts to make us question, well, is this even possible? Now, that's important because it directly leads into the value market, the sales market, people who don't want to be renting anymore because they're being told that the rents are going up. If they can, they will move into the sales market, which again pushes, without even needing immigration, pushes people into the sales market. So we've got a compound situation here where there's people flooding into Perth for their own personal reasons and people moving away from the chronic, more than chronic, more chronic than the sales market, the chronic rental market as buyers now. And that is also compounded by the cheap interest rates. Now, we've never seen again in Australia's history 
credit be so cheap? So not only is it so hard to rent a property and becoming much more expensive relative to the last five years of our experience to rent a property, which is pushing us into the sales market, it's becoming that much easier to move out of the rental market and into the sales market because credit's so cheap and our affordability is at least 50% higher than it was in the last boom which means it's someone who could have got a loan for $400,000 in the boom can now get a loan for $800,000, which means that as long as they've got the savings, that they can be buying a million-dollar property or they could be buying just generally a property over and above what the asking price is if they have to in the current market. Now, when people can afford to pay more and demand-supply relationship is so tight, there's only one way that property prices go up. And so generally, the argument you'll hear is, well, if the property market in the sales space is really, really tight, then people will just move to the rental market. And that's the problem we've got here is that the rental market is actually tighter than the sales market. We haven't seen that for a very, very long time. To round that point out, for the first time ever in history as well, the rental yield for an investor, so the percentage of return they'll get versus the value of their property is higher than the interest rate they'll pay. So nominally, on average, if you're buying an investment property, you should be able to rent it out for more income than it costs you to have a loan. That has never been a situation we've had in Western Australia before either. So what it does is it starts to push more people into demanding investment properties. And obviously, people can buy any property as an investment or an owner-occupied property. But when you add investors into the situation, which we really haven't had, we've been down below 15% for a few years now. We're now up to about 20%. When you add that many more people into buying market competing with the owner-occupiers who are more emotional and will pay more if they have to, it pushes prices up. There's only one way it can go. So that's the rental market there. And a couple more statistics on that space is that we're now down again at half the amount of properties, even just on a year ago, available to rent. Now, that is 2,765 properties available to rent, whereas last year it was 5,371 properties available to rent. So when you see the sales market and the rental market are sitting at 50% stock compared to just a short time ago, and the amount of properties being demanded from weekly sold numbers is sitting up at a 51% increase on a year ago and a doubling of a year and a half ago. So supply is half and demand is double. Again, there's only one way that any asset, property or not, can go. So we've answered a few questions there. We've answered the questions of uh, why has property prices been going up? And we've also answered the question of why sustainably uh, they will still stay up and that's because there is no alternative. If there was a weak rental market, then the alternative would be for buyers to just defer down to the rental market and there is an argument there that this is not a sustainable boom but the reality is this is a 40-year low rental market in terms of how tight it is and therefore there is only one way for people to go. It's actually easier to buy a property than it is to rent a property which means that there will sustainably be demand. The next question we get there uh, on a more ideological basis is, well, Trent, once the borders open up, uh, wouldn't you see that that pressure on demand r- reduces? Now, that's an interesting question and none of, none of us have a crystal ball. The reality is, though, that we've seen this happen before. We've seen it happen before in World War Two. Whenever there is a global crisis, and gen- generally Australia and to a bigger extent Western Australia uh, does quite well in global crises, uh, people 
flee to safe havens. And Western Australia undoubtedly is that safe haven. Whenever there is a problem around the world, whenever uh, there is a financial crisis, and here we have a health crisis which has led to a financial crisis, governments go about very quickly into nation-building mode. They set their interest rates down to zero or as close as they can to it. What that does is means it's very cheap for governments to lend money for infrastructure projects. And that's not just Australia's government, that's China's government, that's India's government, it's governments around the world. This is where nations are built because it's the cheapest time for governments to pay interest to banks. Now, when that's the situation, which it is right now, we need labor workforces to do that. But we also need precious metals, iron ore and coal. Now, our biggest exports being iron ore and precious metals. Western Australia always does well in a GFC because we are the source of the key supplies for nation building around the world. So it'd be interesting for you to remember that for the next time we have a GFC event, bet on Western Australia because it always ends up being our place. Now back to the demand space, the query, will people leave once the borders open? There are probably some people who will leave, but there are probably a lot more people in my opinion who have realized that Perth is the place to be. They've had their flaunt over in Melbourne or in London or in New York or in or in Singapore and they're, they're back for good now. There will generally always be people coming in and out but more importantly than the west australians who have come back is what we're seeing on the ground right now in the property market and the infrastructure market is the chronic undersupply of labor now the only reason we haven't got a huge 457 program open right now is because the borders aren't open the second they do open uh, there will be pushes for pushes for availability of new visas uh, and we'll see a new wave of 457 labor workers coming in to support what is an absolutely stuffed construction market right now there are not enough people to do the work by far and that leads obviously into the mining industry as well as the government infrastructure roads bridges those sort of things then there is just not enough people to do all of this work. And when the money is cheap, all this work will happen. The governments are going about getting it done. Therefore, once the borders open, I actually see this being, uh, again, it's quite inflationary for me to say this in a way, but this again being a super cycle. Uh, Super cycle for us initially of just being that safe haven where no one's leaving for once, but then once the borders open, everyone comes in. Uh, it's a pretty obvious situation in my head, but it's something I think we're going to have to wait and see to see out. Finally, we've been speaking a lot about just generally on a macro level in Perth, why property prices have been going up and why they'll sust- be sustained sustainably up for a while. Uh, but more specifically, as I've said to people before, we don't buy a property generally just on a Perth basis. We buy it on a specific suburb basis. And this is the marker that I want everyone to recognize if they've gotten past the holistic ideologic ideological understanding of why things are going up and why I believe they will stay up for quite a while. Uh, If you agree with that and accept that now, um, it's more about where within that market do we go. The first thing I want you to focus on is the days on market number. It's something that you can track again through Rewa. It's a monthly statistic that's updated through Rewa on a macro Perth basis. What we've seen is that in the space of the last seven months since June last year, the amount, of, the days on market median, which is how many days it takes on on an median basis for a property in Perth in general to sell, has gone from taking 50 days in June last year. It was up around 80 a year and a half ago now down to a median number of 21 in February. Now, 21 was is lower than the best days on market numbers back in June for the number one suburbs. Now, the median, the middle suburb of the couple of hundred suburbs in Western Australia is below what June's best suburb was. And that shows just how drastically the 
dynamic again from demand and supply has moved. Three weeks is the median amount of time it takes for a property in Western Australia to sell. Now, why we want to look at this number is we want to see that on a suburban basis. That really demonstrates to us where the real pressure is. If you track that over a long enough amount of time, you'll realize that the suburbs are actually quite similar. They've been the same for about a year now. And I'm going to run through the top 10. The number one has been the number one for quite a while, or at least it's been the top three for quite a while. And that suburb is Shenton Park. It's a super tightly held suburb uh, just to the west of Perth, right next to the Charlie Gardner Hospital to the Children's Hospital, right in the middle of where the train st- train line is, Daglish, Subiaco, Shenton Park, all in that same little area across the road from Kings Park. And the reality is, it's because not that many people actually need to or want to sell in Shenton Park, but a whole bunch of people would love to live there. A lot of doctors, a lot of medical professionals living in the area because of the private because of the hospital. And the nuts point here is that at number one, it takes on average eight days to sell a property in Shenton Park. So if you're a real estate agent who's getting listings in Shenton Park, your life's pretty easy right now because it generally will sell itself. You're in a great catchment zone on the school space as well, being Shenton College. Uh, And for all these pressures, it's pretty easy to understand that the median house price in Shenton Park is $1.25 million. So whilst it is an expensive suburb to get into, it's also the most sought after and the fastest selling suburb in Perth. The other suburbs that we see that have been around in this space for a while. Kingsley, again, that median house price ticking up now to $577,000. It's about 20Ks north of the city uh, and its median days on market is just nine. So really the same di- the same dynamics as Shenton Park just at a, a half the price point, but for very similar reasons, great suburb for families, uh, good quality homes as well, and just not a lot of people selling. Kingsley is actually number one in Perth for how long people live in their suburb. It's up around 17 years on average, which is crazy. Okay, number three is Lake Coogee. That one's blipped up. It's number, it's at 12 days to sell your property. Number four is Kareen. Number five is Heathridge. Number six is Belden. All three of those up in the northern uh, wing. And then if you add Kingsley, that makes four in the top six. Pearsall, a bit further along up the north. Again, Limwood down further south past uh, Willerton. You got West Leadville, which is in a very similar position to Shenton Park. No one's selling. Very few amount of properties available, and has very similar benefits being close to the city. And finally, uh, one of my darlings, it's Willoughby. It's a suburb that's going through a massive amount of gentrification, just off of Leach Highway, right in the middle of Fremantle and the freeway, and very close to a good shopping zone as well. So. And to prove how tight this market is, the number 10 spot of Willoughby takes only 15 days to sell. Now, that is the stat you want to be tracking. If you can be looking this up on Rewa on a suburb-by-suburb basis on how long it takes these suburbs to sell, you'll recognize. But if you're on the streets without even looking at these statistics, you'll see that these are the suburbs, but probably 10 of about 100 suburbs in Perth that are going absolutely bonkers right now. You'll have two, 300 people at a listing at a time. So guys, those are the key statistics. We've spoken about the more fundamental things before being uh, close to water, close to schools, close to activity centers, close to the city. We always stick with those four qualitative fundamentals. But today's focus was talking about the key statistics. And I'll reiterate those again. That is the amount of properties on the market and how that tracks on a weekly basis. That is the amount of properties sold on a weekly basis. And again, you can check this through Rewa and track this every week. That next one is the vacancy rate. 
in the rental market, which supports the sales market. When you start to see a rental market erode, that is again, the canary in the coal mine, you will soon see the sales market erode. So always watch for the rental market first, and that's where the sales market will go. And finally, the number of days on the market it takes to sell a property. Keep tracking that. If it keeps staying stable well below the natural level of transactions or properties on market or time it takes to sell, then we're in a booming market. There is only one way things can go. And finally, the cost of credit. When interest rates and policies start to get tighter or higher, we start to see markets start to struggle because people can't afford to buy those properties at those higher prices. Again, that is at lowest rates in history. So, it's time to recognize, guys, that this is a boom market. Uh, it's taken a while for all of us to really appreciate that, come to terms with that. We've all been once burnt, twice shy, and probably five times burnt, 10 times shy in the last five years. But at the end of the day, just like every other market in Australia has been rising in the last year or two, and, and they find it quite normal, actually quite abnormal for it to for, to drop, quite normal for it to go up. Uh, we're still scratching our eyes, wondering whether this is real. Wake up. It is the time. Perth is moving and I think we are in a 2005 situation again. Guys, if you have any further questions about this, feel free as always to give me a buzz or send an email through to inquiries at strategicpropertygroup.com.au. In the meantime, we'll chat to you next week. We'll have Sam Crello coming in talking about the finance market. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!